Oh, good evening, everyone, everybody. Hey, how you guys doing? She's doing good. She's happy to be here. Awesome. Well, uh, hey, my name is Mike, and uh, welcome to Northwood Young Adults. And, and here we believe in having open doors and open hearts. And so I hope that when you walked in tonight that you felt comfortable and invited. And also hope that you came with an open heart because you are wanted and welcomed here. And so it's good to see you. We're glad you're here. And, uh, man, that was a great time of worship. Uh, hey, just a reminder, the sticker that's on your seat every night, on your chair every night, is to serve as an invite for somebody. Uh, somebody that you know needs Jesus or somebody that you know needs a community like this or somebody that you know that needs free Chick-fil-A in their life, okay? So anybody like that, uh, you know, imagine having this room, you know, so full of young adults that we had to switch rooms or we had to uh, fi- figure something else out because so many young adults were coming to know Jesus and hear about Jesus. And that can happen when we make those invites and invite those people into our life and into a community like this. So with that said, along that, that same vein of inviting, uh, I think you can make the case that sharing your faith is one of the hardest parts of being a Christian. Would anybody agree with that, that sharing your faith, okay, so I, I think it is definitely one of the hardest parts, and, and to be honest, it, it, it shows, right, that it's one of the hardest parts. Because as believers, you know, we increasingly do not do a great job of sharing our faith. And I'm including myself in that, mostly myself. Uh, I mean, I, I work at a church, and so, like, I'm, I'm surrounded by Christians all the time. And so I struggle to, to do this. And I have to make a conscious effort, you know, when I go, when I'm out and about, and I'm out, you know, at, at dinner or, like, hanging out with family or whatever, to, to start conversations or to spot opportunities to share my faith. And so I think we would all agree that, you know, maybe we struggle to a degree with sharing our faith. And if you don't, man, you are truly the exception. And you should probably be the one up here talking tonight, okay? Um, but for the rest of us, you know, it's not easy. And so tonight, we're beginning a, a series, a brand new series called Tell Me About It. And so throughout this month, we're going to talk about what it looks like and talk about the various aspects of sharing our faith. The awkward conversations, right? Feeling like you don't know what to say or not knowing when is the right time or the right place, etc. So this month, we're going to talk about all of that and more. And so we're going to see how sharing our faith is an act of obedience, it's an act of love, it's an act of determination and response, and, and ultimately an act of worship. And I'll tell you tonight that if you stick around, there will be a message this month that will shift your perspective and will change your life forever. And that's not my guarantee, that's God's guarantee. And when our eyes get open to the call that is upon our lives as Christians, this call that is urgent and this call that is time sensitive, our lives are not going to look the same. I don't say that lightly. You know, when I was writing this message, I I felt so convicted about the fact that that when I got out of college, when I got out of school, and I started doing this all the time, that it's been a real struggle to share my faith. And I, I had this thought, like, man, when was the last time that I shared my faith with someone off the stage or off a platform or, or whatever you want to call this rug that I'm standing on or a Sunday morning, right? And so, you know, and, and so through my eyes getting, getting opened again to what we've been called to do as Christians, I've actually the last five days had two great opportunities to talk, talk to people about Jesus. And it's been because of my heart getting reminded of the call that is on our lives as believers. And what exactly is this call? Well, let's take a look. This is Matthew 28, 18 to 20. So I want to read it to you. You might have heard this, heard this before. This is called the Great Commission. Jesus says this right after he resurrects and right before he goes back to heaven. This is what he says. And Jesus came and said to them, said to his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
And then he continues and he says this. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So Charles Spurgeon actually said that every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. And so either we're seeing ourselves as missionaries in the place that God has put us, or we are living in disobedience. And so tonight, as we begin week one, we're going to see how sharing our faith is first an act of obedience and what that obedience means for our life going forward. So if you would, pray with me, and then we'll jump into this. God, I thank you so much for tonight. God, I thank you for just an incredible time to gather together and worship you and uh, and glorify your name, God. And I pray that that would continue. God, that we would see you speak to us from your word. God, that you would wake up our hearts and wake up our, our eyes and our minds, God, to the call that you've put on our lives. And that we would walk out of here forever different tonight. We trust you with that. In Jesus' name, we all said together, amen. Awesome. I wanted to tell you a story tonight about a man named John Allen Chow who decided to make an effort to bring the gospel to one of the last uncontacted people groups in the world. And that people group is called, I hope I'm saying this right, it's called the Centillanese. And they occupy North Sentinel Island. It's located right between India and Thailand. And it's a tribe of about 50 people, 50 people. And the Indian government has deemed it illegal to make any contact with this group of people, with this tribe of people. And so John Allen Chow, 26-year-old, a guy my age, same age as me, he has uh, got this group of people on his heart, and he is convinced that he's going to take the gospel to this place. And he actually followed through with that, and he convinced some fishermen that, that were Christians to actually get him close to the island. And his plan was to then canoe the rest of the way to the shore. And so he got to the shore of the island, and he was met by a few of these Centillanese people. And his first words to them were, I love you, and Jesus loves you. And they responded by uh, shooting at or they started stringing up their bow and arrows. And so he panicked and jumped back in his canoe and he rowed back to the fisherman's boat. Well, the next day, he tried again. And so he shows up on shore and this time, he starts reading to them out of scripture and singing worship songs to them. And they start yelling at him in their language and he tries to copy them. And this time, they actually took his canoe from him and this little kid picked up his bow and arrow and shot John Allen Chow's Bible, hit his Bible in his hand. And he panicked and jumped in the water and made the swim about a mile back to the fisherman's boat. The next day, he tried again. And this time, not long after he made it to shore, he was killed. And that story sounds like something that would have happened 100 years ago. This was 2018. It was two years ago. And there was an insane backlash because of his actions, because of several reasons. One of which was the possible spread of disease. A lot of people had a problem with that. Because when his body decomposed on this island, it was going to release toxins and release things that that these people had never been exposed to. They had no immunity to to these toxins from his body. Especially because they're on this small island, so everything is so contained. But beforehand, he knew the risk, risk, and he quarantined himself, and he got certain immunizations, and he knew what he was getting into. But there was also a group of people that essentially accused him of bothering these Centillanese people, and that he should have left them alone. And so according to those who disagree with his actions, at the very least, he was a nuisance. At the very worst, he could have killed the entire group of people. 
But one of his friends who spoke out about him said this. He said, if you believe in heaven and hell, then what he did is the most loving thing you could ever do for somebody. And so the question that arises here for us is this, and something that I want you to ask yourself tonight as a believer, and it's this question. Is the gospel true for me, or is it just true? Is the gospel true for me, or is it just true? And how you answer that question changes the way that you approach sharing your faith. Because if I believe the gospel is only true for me, then I have no motivation to share it with anyone. Right? If I believe the gospel is only true for me, then something else might be true for you, and so I'm under no obligation to share it with you. If the gospel is only true for me, then no one else might be in need of it. If the gospel is only true for John Allen Chow, then sure, what he did was narrow-minded and egotistical and arrogant and unnecessary. But if the gospel is just true, true as gravity and true as you and I in this room tonight, then that truth should motivate us to do all that we can to see it spread to those who don't know it. And so let's look at back at what Jesus said at the beginning of the Great Commission. This is verse 18, Matthew 28, 18. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And so Jesus says, All authority has been given to me on heaven, in heaven and on earth. And so not some authority, not most authority, but all authority. And so that should change the way that we hear the command that comes next, Right? If we believe in that authority, then it changes how we view the story of Jesus. If we believe in that authority, then the gospel becomes not just true for you or true just for me, but just true, period. And that should motivate us to obey, right? That, that authority that he's talking about, that all authority in heaven and on earth, takes, his, takes what he's saying from the great suggestion, and it makes it the great commission, right? It, it takes it from just like watching a commercial about joining the military into actually getting drafted into a time of war. There's a difference. And you know what it's like to be in the presence of authority, right? You're driving down the road and a police officer pulls up behind you. Things change a little bit. Or you're at work and your boss is over your shoulder. Changes things a little bit. A few years ago, here on a, a Tuesday night, this is probably five years ago now or so, four or five years ago, we were... Um, after service one night, it was kind of late, like it was probably only about 10 people left. And so we were hanging out, talking, having a good time over by the, the welcome center, like where we served the food back there. And all of a sudden, this police officer walks in. And everyone's like laughing, having a good time. And all of a sudden, it was like, you know, what is happening? And so at the time, we were kind of between young adult pastors. I was like really young at the time, and I was filling in for a little while until Kevin Harris came, if, if you guys know him. And so um, and so Ryan, actually, the police officer walks up to Ryan, and he says, who is in charge here? <laughs> and Ryan looks at me, and he's like, that guy is. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, thanks, I appreciate that, right? And so, <laughs> and so the police officer walks up to me, and he says, we got a 911 call from this location, and so we kind of, you know, I wanted to come and make sure everything was okay. And in my mind, I'm thinking, man, that's what, like, kids do, you know? And so I said, sir, we're all adults here, <laughs> okay? I don't know how that would have happened. So he said, okay, you know, no worries. Just wanted to come check it out make sure it was okay. And so he leaves. And then right after that, Andrew Singer, you guys, you guys may know him. 
he, you know, he went, you know, he is like the backbone of Northwood Young Adults. He's a full-time missionary in Guatemala now. And he comes up to me and he says, it was me. <laughs> he said, it was me. And I said, what? Like, what do you mean it was you? And he was like, yeah. He's like, I didn't know the phone was connected. And I did it to be funny. And I, you know, and he's like, it was me. And I'm like, awesome. You know what I mean? Like, appreciate that. Uh, so, you know, so things change, right, when authority shows up, right? When that police officer walked through the door, everybody went from like, oh, yeah, having a great time to, whoa, something, is, something has happened, right? Things change. And so are we obeying the command from the one who says he has all authority in heaven and on earth? And so let's look again at that command. So he says, all authority has been given to me. And then he says this in verse 19 to the beginning of verse 20. He says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So Jesus here, right, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now go. And so Jesus gives us here a clear green light. Go into all nations. And so if we see ourselves as missionaries in the world that we're in, right, the, the workplace, the school, the family, this, the, the question is no longer if we are to share the gospel. By this command, that, that question has been settled, right? If we are saved, we're sent. And so sharing the gospel is, is never, because of this command, it's never going to be an act of disobedience. And so the worry over, man, well, should I share the gospel with this person? That worry is no more. It's been settled. The answer is yes. You know, could you imagine if we as individuals returned back to this command from Christ, right? The amount of lives that would be changed, the amount of souls that would be saved. I remember reading this, this story in a, a book by David Platt called Radical years ago. And he told this story about this time that he traveled to a indigenous tribe that had never heard the name of Jesus before, completely unknown to them. And he got to meet the leader of the tribe. And the guy was very welcoming, very hospitable to him, and he invited him in to wherever he stayed. I don't know, it was like a hut, a tent, something like that. And he walked, in, he walked into where the guy lived, and the man offered him a Coke. And the man was like, or the, David Platt was writing this saying like, man, it just kind of dawned on me in that moment that Coca-Cola has done a better job at getting their soda to this man than Christians have done with the gospel. And that like opened my mind to like, man, what, like, if we, if we would just stop seeing this command from Christ and just leaving it to, to the people who just feel called, then man, how would things change? Right, we are all called, every single one of us. And so there has to be a shift in mindset that takes place, a shift in mindset that says, man, okay, I know I carry the good news of Jesus everywhere that I go, and so I'm going to speak like it, and I'm going to act like it. You know, we're not doing this out of obligation, right? But we're doing it out of an overflow. We're doing it out of an overflow of first love for Christ, also an overflow of heartbreak for those who are lost, or, 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 or overflow of a passion to seeing, seeing people come to know Jesus, because like I said, when the gospel becomes not just true for you, but just true, then we respond in obedience, knowing full well that the weight of eternity hangs in the balance, because it does. And that doesn't hit home with you. Think about this. Your salvation, your salvation tonight, you, is the result of somebody else's obedience. You know, first and foremost, it's the result of Christ's obedience, right? 
for him to stay committed, and it says in Philippians, obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And obedience so perfect that even though we rebel and even though we stray away and we turn our backs on him, that it was strong enough to save us and sustain us. There is hope for your soul because of the obedience of Christ. But also, your salvation is a result of someone else's obedience in your life, someone that you know, someone who shared the gospel with you, someone who set up an environment like a youth pastor or a parent or a grandparent. Because they obeyed the call, because they obeyed the command of the Great Commission, you came to know Christ. And to take that one step further, one day someone could say that about you, right? And thank God, thank God they followed the command of Christ because I know Jesus because of it. And my eternity is forever different because of them obeying. That's changing your world. Let's look at the last part of the Great Commission, the last half of verse 20. So he says what? All authority has been given to me. Now go, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so we've heard the authority behind the command. We've heard the command, and now we see the promise on the other side of the command. And so not only is Jesus commanding us with all authority in the universe, but he's also saying, when you go, I'm going to be with you. And so he says, I'm not just going to be commanding you as Lord, but I'm going to be walking with you as a friend. And so that promise, it takes it, takes this, you know, intimidating and somewhat terrifying command, right? And it lessens the blow a little. It doesn't lessen the cost or lessen the importance, but it lessens the uncertainty of what it looks like when you share your faith. And so when Jesus said that in this verse, when he said he was going to be with the disciples, they didn't completely understand that yet. But what he was referring to is the Holy Spirit. And, he, and we see him, you know, say to him elsewhere in the Gospels, he says, it's actually better for me to leave so that the Holy Spirit can come. And the reason he said that was because when Jesus was on earth, it was contained to one man. But when he left, the Spirit of God became uh, inside of every believer. And so the Spirit of God is everywhere that we go. And so when we talk about sharing our faith as an act of obedience, what that looks like is just day-to-day trusting and obeying the Spirit. Right, being obedient in the way that you live your life, obeying the commands of God and obeying what the Spirit tells you to do, and being open to it. Right? That's, that's, I think that's part of it, one of the hardest parts Right, being open and willing to, to listen and first feel that, that beckoning or that pull to do something, say something. But then to go further than just the feeling and actually act upon that feeling. And that's Jesus being with us and helping us achieve the Great Commission. And so as you live your life day to day, the best thing that you can do to play your part in the Great Commission is to be obedient and faithful in the opportunities that you get. You know, one of the things you hear about the Great Commission a lot is that when Jesus said go, in, in, in the original language, he, it was basically communicating as you are going. And so as you are living your life, be obedient to God. Live out your faith. And along with that will come opportunities to share the gospel. And so when those chances come, just do what you always do. You obey the Spirit. If you're living your life that way, then you'll obey because that's what you always do knowing that Jesus is with you the entire way. So to respond tonight, what I want us to do is either on your your phone or your journal, whatever you take notes on, it doesn't really matter. I would encourage you to do something tonight. Write down the name of someone that you know that you need to share the gospel with this month. Write their name down, pray over them, let your heart break for them, and make it your mission to have one conversation with them 
about Jesus this month. And this person could be somebody that you see all the time, a family member that you know you're going to see soon. It doesn't really matter. Just someone that God puts on your heart to pray for and, and to start a conversation with. And so it's going to be a little awkward. Let's take about 15, 20 seconds. I'm going to do one too. And let's just write that person's name down. You know, another, um, another cool thing you can do is, you know, if you have a place that you frequent a lot, so like a Starbucks or like a, you know, um, library for you guys in school or, you know, whatever it may be, if there's a place that you go a lot, pray for that place and for opportunities and chances to come up at those places. And, um, man, just I think once you start praying, once that starts to be on your mind, your eyes get opened. And you start seeing a lot more needs than you may realize are there, you know, and opportunities that are there. So uh, earlier tonight I mentioned how the, the friend of John Allen Chow, he said that if you believe in a heaven and a hell, then what he did was the most loving thing that you could ever do for somebody. We're going to unpack that more a little bit next week. Um, and talk about how sharing our faith is an act of love. And so make sure you don't miss out on that. Let me pray, and then we will wrap this up. God, I thank you so much for tonight. God, I thank you for, um, thank you for the Great Commission. God, is um, such a, a large call and, uh, and somewhat of a scary command. God, I, I do thank you for that promise on the other side. God, that you're going to be with us. God, you, you gave us a tall task, but you didn't leave us out to dry. You didn't leave us hanging, God, but you said you were going to be with us. <clears throat> so, God, I pray that, that as we walk out of here tonight, God, as we walk into our workplaces, our schools, our families, God, or the other places that we go a lot, God, I pray that we would realize that we carry your spirit with us. And, God, as we live out our faith, as we are obedient to what you've told us to do, that we would just continue that obedience in sharing our faith. God, that we would start conversations, that we would start uh, Start praying for opportunities, God, that our eyes would be opened. And, God, that you would use us to change the world that you've put us in. That we would stop seeing ourselves as, or stop leaving this, this call to those who just feel called or feel led. But, God, that we would see that we've all been called. You're leading us all to do this. And, God, that, that our worlds and our, our, uh, our families and our friends would be left completely different. And their lives would be completely changed. And they would be able to say, man, thank God for this person that introduced me to Christ. And my eternity is different because of it. So we trust you with that, God. In Jesus' name, we all say it together. Amen.